the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, this week here on Way of Grace, we are studying the life of Samson. And we are back in Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 20, as we return our attention to a message that Pastor Jesse has entitled, Back in Love Again. A couple of main themes we're seeing in this study this week, that we are to love our enemies. Samson endured their hatred. He embraced the honesty of Delilah and exposed the treachery of the Philistines. Well, that is what we're looking at here today on Way of Grace. We invite you to spend some time with us as we glean insights into the life of Samson and along the way find real encouragement, practical encouragement for our daily lives as well. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We'll start at verse 7. And Samson said unto her when she asked, where's your strength? He said unto her, if they bind me with seven green whips that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Let's start right there with this very uh, creative lesson that Samson is bringing to the table. There's more there, but I I don't want to bore you with the depths of it. He uses the number seven. Number seven is a very common Hebrew phraseology that often indicates the purpose or perfection of the will of God. There's another reason for it. We'll get there in a moment. But wits is actually an old Saxon term for um, what was used for strapping bowls, for uh, bow and arrows. You know, the cord on the bow That was a fibrous kind of thread that came out of a tree, uh, certain kinds of trees in Israel that you could strap to the bow. It's a bow strand and it was wet in order to have tension without breaking. Now, Samson said, if they use seven of those bow strands, some of your translation would say that too, right? If you use seven of those bow strands, you can tie a brother down. I'll become just as weak as every other man. Y'all got that? Now, notice what the text says. Verse 8, notice what it says. Judges 16, verse 8. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green wits, bowstrands, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now, I know you got to really think this through. Now, now what, what's going on that Samson is just laying there letting her bind him? I know, I know. We're not going to extrapolate at length because this, the narrative is to be taken in triplets to understand the overarching lesson. But let's just back up a minute and just think how stupid love can be, right? Love can be pretty weird, right? I know, I know what some of y'all going. I'm not going there. I'm just going to let y'all go there, okay? Because I don't like being tied up by nobody. Ever. I think I got tied up as a child and I have a phobia for being tied up. Uh-uh, I'm not getting no joy out of being tied up, okay? Now, maybe Samson did. I'm not sure. Okay. 
But maybe, maybe, coach, if I've been working out and been strong enough and I actually know I could bust those bands, I might play along with my girl for a minute there. You, you know what? I'm, if I know I could bust those bands, I might. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't. I just, that's just not me. I'm just sharing that with you. Because Samson right now believes that God is with him. Okay, so notice what it says in verse nine. Notice what it says. We got to walk through this. Now, there were lying in wait men that were abiding in her chamber. See, this is a story that I'm telling you, ain't no movies better than the Bible. It gets really fascinating, right? It gets fat. So y'all do know that we have a compressed narrative here. I mean, like it's super compressed. You got to stretch this thing out because a whole lot of stuff is going on. Like when did the men come? When did they have a conversation with her? What part of the room they hanging out in? Do they have surveillance cameras anywhere? What? This is just the way I think, right? You know, some of this got to be going on. This is, you know, holy logic, right? And, uh, the Philistines, she said, after she bound him, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he break the wits or the cords or the bow bands as a thread of tow is broken when it touches the fire. Once again, it shows that there was absolutely no strength in this mechanism, in this device. They broke like wax wicks in fire. Just no, no resistance whatsoever. And notice what it goes on to say. It, it broke as the, go back, please. Go back. You can take off when I say, thank you. Notice what it says. So his strength was not what? Right. So here in this lesson, what is taking place is Samson is mocking them. He's mocking them. And God's playing along with it. God's playing along with it. Because obviously by him breaking the wits means that what? God was with him. Was God with him? Okay. Lesson one. God's with him right now. And he's using the privilege of God being with him to engage in a kind of mockery of his adversaries. But for those of you who are kind of wondering of the ethical propriety here, he's getting close to the fire. Let's go to the next one. Verse 10. It goes on. She complains. Now, Delilah said in the Samson, behold, you are mocking me. Of course he is. Of course he is. Ah, should I do it? Mockery is part of psychological warfare. Are you keeping up with me? This is what Elijah did when he was challenging the 800 prophets, 400 of Baal and 400 of the groves, and he mocked them. And that's what God does with the wicked. He mocks them. Read Psalm 2. God mocks the wicked when they rise up thinking that they can overthrow God. He will laugh in derision at them, the psalm says. And he has a right to. God is holy. God is just. Anybody that raises their fist up at God, he would mock at them because all of us together are like a drop under the bucket. All the nations are nothing before God, Daniel says. Can you imagine that? Some peon in the WEF talking about overthrowing God. God's laughing. Some peon in the World uh, uh, Council of Churches talking about throwing out God and turning this thing into a kind of ecumenical, syncretistic, uh, new age paganism system. God's mocking them. You guys understand all of these boards that are operating out of the pseudo power of wealth and prominence. God's mocking at them. They have no strength. The problem is they can deceive you and me like the Wizard of Oz. 
That's why a lot of us are praying that God would just kind of rub his nose, metaphorically speaking. You know, God is not a human being like us, but that he would just rub his nose and shake the earth and rearrange everything. Just shake the earth and only the buildings wherein all of these powers dwell, let it come down. And then some of us got a plan for a real reset, Brother Mac. Am I making some sense? But God's not going to do that. He's not going to do that because he's going to use you and me. We would always want God to employ his omnipotent power to deal with our enemies. Every time, Lord, just move. And no, Lord said, no, you move. You keeping up with me? You move. Or rather, don't be moved. Because sometimes all God wants you, child of God, to do is not be moved. Because we get so easily moved. So easily moved. And God is saying, stand still and behold the salvation of the Lord. I'm setting them up. This ain't nothing but a draw play. Don't move. Let them come in and watch what I do. But God's people don't even know how to do strategic warfare in that regard. That's what we've got going on here. She said unto him, why have you mocked me and told me lies? Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. Okay, like, please, Delilah, Delilah. That doesn't seem like persuasive words to me. But she presses him and he entertains her honesty. Now, you might ask the question, why would he do that? And I I wish you would entertain the question. Why would Samson embrace her honesty? Because he's teaching us a lesson about the relentless nature of the flesh. That's one. Please get that. Galatians 5 makes it very clear. I think around verse 17, the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit. The two are constantly in antagonistic conflict with each other. Does that make some sense? And and as a consequence for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are what? Contrary one to stay right here with me. Let me help help you with this. What God is saying is, as a child of God, your identity is spiritual. That means you are constantly engaging in subduing the flesh because you're not going to get rid of it. It has to be controlled. It has to be restrained. Because the flesh is not just what's going on in the world. All that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. True, right? That is an adversary. But not the big one. The big one is in you. That's the big adversary. Let's make an application before we get to the gospel there. Samson is the spirit. Delilah, Delilah is the flesh. And Delilah always wants to bind you up so that you cannot do God's will. And the struggle with your flesh is that you love her. It's coming. It's coming. This is why the battle is difficult. This is what frequently the Christian gives in for long seasons. They're just running with Delilah. Where you going? Man, I'm in love. With who? my flesh and just go off on long seasons of just absolute rank carnality. Am I making some sense? Am I teaching? 
So you watch your Christian brothers and sisters when they just go on these long journeys and just wilding out. Delilah has gotten to him. She didn't stroke that flesh and he lost his identity. Now, Samson's not there yet. This is a this episode is where we are today. We got to pick this up next week because he's getting ready to find himself in a pathetic situation. And there's some lessons there, too. But please know this. The longer you and I play with that tempter called the flesh. The longer it will be before you stop. It's kind of like an addictive behavior pattern. Y'all see what I'm getting at? And you might think. You can just stop it. Well, try it. The Bible tells me that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You will pretend, you will say to yourself, I'm still full of the Holy Ghost. No, you're not. If you were full of the Holy Ghost, you'd actually hate what you're dealing with. One of the evidences there's equidistance developing between you and the spirit of God is you are more and more loving your carnal ways. I know this is true. I see it. I observe it. I know the temptations in me. I see them. And this is what's going on with our brother Samson as well. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. You can never harmonize them. They will never agree. Either one will dominate or the other will. Am I making some sense? All right. Now, going back to our text, because. She's landed out and the brother brings up another plan. And notice what he says. Uh, And Delilah said unto him over in um, verse 10. And Delilah said, Samson, behold, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now I pray thee, tell me where in your strength lie. And he said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Now, come on. I'm trying to think about the intervals between the first one and the second one, because there was some time here. You do know that because when they came upon him, either Samson had to actually once again, whip some tail. Like I told you, he was accustomed to doing whoop some tail and then go away and then come back to his girl. Right. So some space between there. He didn't just uh, break the wit and then they run and then he lay back down and she come with another proposition. Let's take some time here. Okay. They've got to have some dinner, maybe take a break, go to the gym for a while, come back. Let's di- have another date seven days later. Am I making some sense? Because she got to try it again. We've got to be somewhat reasonable here, children of God. He said unto her, if they bind me fast with new robes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Now watch this. She fell for it. See, the flesh is stupid. When you and I are committed to a carnal path, we will accept any excuse to go down that path. Now, the previous one was pretty wild, wasn't it? Some uh, bow strands to time up. Now he's saying, get some new rope. And this one here again, it's some very strong uh, tri-bound threads that humanly speaking, yes, if you bind a man with these, he's not going to get loose, at least not easily. And she thought she'd buy it, right? She thought she'd buy it, which indicates here that she doesn't know where his strength comes from either. Am I making some sense? I'm carrying you along because I got you for a few more minutes. The reality is, is there are some big discoveries going on here. Samson is in control of the relationship, whether you know it or not, to a significant level. He knows he's dealing with enemies. He's no he he knows he's dealing with the flesh. 
But also we saw it in chapter 14, verse 4. It was of the Lord that God should destroy and fight against the Philistines. Y'all got that? You must keep that as the overarching principle. God is in this. And Samson knows it. But the precariousness of it is that he's human and he's in love with this woman and and she's taking advantage of his love. And there's some lessons there, too. Love is vulnerable. Is that true? Yeah, this is why we don't want to let it out that much, because, you know, we didn't been hurt. There's a, that's why I was talking to you about agape. Agape is the kind of love that gives out and doesn't expect in return. So a lot of people are going to face God on the last day for his agape. And have to answer to him his overture of laying out redemption and salvation the way he has in the fullness of Christ, the way he does. And in the providences of life, the way he does and in the wealth and the riches that he gives you the way he does. And that's what Romans 2 is all about. The goodness of God is supposed to lead us to repentance, but it doesn't. God gives you life. He gives you a sound mind. He gives you health and strength. He lets you live every day in his world. He lets you traverse the planet. He lets you prosper and get wealthy. He lets you act a fool and tear up things and mess up relationships and defame his name. God lets you do that. And while you're still breathing, his mercy is hanging over your head, ready for you to receive it. This is the wondrous love of God in Christ. This is what Samson is demonstrating. A relentless love that's willing to suffer at the hands of the objects of his love. Do y'all see that? You can go home now. This is crazy because this is about how we do not reciprocate with God. We want to control him. We want to control his grace. We want to control his goodness in our life. We don't want him to tell us what to do. And this is what's going on in our text. And our brother Samson is playing the game through. So notice what it goes on to say. Verse 12. Here we go. I need to hurry up now with Thomas movie. Delilah therefore took new ropes, bound him there, went and said unto him, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And there were liars away again, abiding in the chamber. There we go. See, so now I'm thinking about what kind of house does this girl have? Is it a three story house? with guest bedrooms, with a side door they can just bust in on them? Does she have a fireplace in her bedroom? Is that how Samson went to sleep? Because we got to talk about him going to sleep here in a moment. I'm just trying to visualize it if I was making a movie. How about you? Because all of a sudden she's just screaming out, the Philistines be upon you, Samson, unless she had a walkie-talkie or something. You know, this is Mission Impossible or James Bond. I can see that, right? You know, they got earplugs and all that stuff going on. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber and he break them from off his arms like thread. Verse 12, uh, verse 13. Notice what it says. And Delilah said unto Samson, hitherto you have mocked me and told me lies. Because obviously either there was another tail whipping or they just fled, right? And then we had another space. And here he comes back again. And here's what she's saying. You have mocked me and told me lies. You mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith you mightest be bound. And he said unto her, if you weave seven locks of my head with the web. Now, the web was this weird contraption that they say theologically 
is what's, what that uh, that Delila had, this kind of web thing. They're, they're, they're asserting they're not really sure that it's some kind of machine that weaves things, okay? So he's saying to her, if you take my hair and weave it and put it in a kind of braided thread, and then notice what he goes on to say. Weave the seven locks of my head with the web, verse 14, please. And she fastened it with the pin. Now this is a beam, and apparently what happened was his hair was so long that they could weave it like a, a big um, braid and then tie him in a pin in the wall. So remember when you're reading your Bible, a pin could be a pole, it could be a log. That's the generic version of the Hebrew terminology. It can be a splinter. Remember what Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, right? You who are judging the splinter in one man's eye, you got a beam in your own head. Right. And the the idea is that the term beam and splinter are interchangeable. The context matters here. It had to be something so strong that when he was tied to it, he's trapped by his what? He's trapped by his what? Ah, we're moving closer to the temptation. So she's working his nerves and she's got him now. Moving into a more honest uh, discovery of where his strength partially lies. So now this is the nature of temptation. The nature of temptation is that over time, you and I will be inclined to commit more of ourselves to it than we should. At a certain point, it will become vulnerable. Because now what Samson is doing is playing with his consecration. Remember what I told you? I told you that as a Nazarite, he was told never to cut his hair. He was told never to to drink wine. Now, this in the Hebrew culture was also something that had uh, termination dates. Like they didn't have to always not drink wine. They didn't have to always not cut their hair. When they were in consecration mode, they they did. But when they were not, they were free. We don't know how long Samson was obliged to do this. It almost appears that he was to continue this until his mission was accomplished. Hence, his hair is long. Are you keeping up with me? But remember what I told you? His hair symbolized his submission to God. Didn't I teach you that? First Corinthians chapter 11, I taught you that the hair of the woman was a sign of a covering over her head. It was a sign of submission to her husband. Does that make some sense? And so... Um, The woman being a type of the church, Christ being the head of the church, we're supposed to be submissive to God. And a Nazarite vow was designed for Samson to demonstrate the totality of his life was in submission to God. Will you listen to me now? Submission to God is where your strength is. Submission to God is where your strength is. You heard our elder hint at it a little bit earlier. When you and I surrender, then God is able to take our surrender and fight our battles with us and for us and through us. Does that make sense? Psalm 18, verse one through three. Give me a few more minutes. Listen to what the psalmist says uh, to affirm this. I will love you, O Lord, my what? I can stop right there because notice what's going on here. David is saying that what God it's requiring in our relationship with him is that we love him. But that's the nature of the power of faith as well. 
And faith is what God requires for us to please him. Is that right? Does anybody know that? Without faith, it's impossible to what? And faith always works by what? I want you to understand it then. When you and I are failing to maintain a clear understanding that our motive in relationship to God must be one of love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Once you're operating outside of that love as the basic motive, you and I are inclined not to obey God. Love drives faith. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 10.30 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.